last week on the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast, as well as some older stuff that obliterated Nate or was a little bit naughty. We're lapsing into reruns. He's a Bond villain. Jerry Jones is wearing a mask for a face. I hate the Cowboys. And I would never want anything to happen to David Johnson because I have him in one league as opposed to Chase Edmonds, who I have in seven leagues, but don't want anything to happen to David Johnson. David, stay healthy. Stay safe. And if you're going to be from a small school, then be sub 180 pounds, get drafted in the sixth round, and have your best season as a senior. And how right were you about Krishan Hogan? He has zero receptions for zero yards. It feels so bad to be right about something like that. Basically calling Krishan Hogan's inability to have a career in the NFL and fulfill his dream. Great job, Nate. And in the history of wide receivers, Matt Waldman has never seen a more talented player than fourth rounder Hakeem Butler. And if you did any prep whatsoever, looked at the rankings once, checked the show sheet once, listened to the clip of Marshawn Lynch talking to John Wertheim once, you would know all these things! What? Me? And have we talked about this, that Cole Beasley is a good rapper? Stop it. I need that money like nothing I never want. And my chest hair could double as a throw rug. Let me pretend like this never happened. And was that Kirsten Dunst's dream a wet dream? <laughs> no, it wasn't a wet dream. Thank you very much. I have had a wet dream once when I was 15. I woke up and I was having sex with my pillow. This fucking show has no boundaries. And okay, that time you definitely said dick. But the problem is it's always getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm like, God, when it's just this monster. And Todd Haley and his wife don't believe in wearing clothes at all. And was I relating that to something sexual? It's the best way to go out on a sweatpant boner. And is this the time when you think people start masturbating to the show? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sonic Truth Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Liss. You can find me on Twitter at an Outrage 2 And with me, as always, is Mr. Matt Kelly. You can find him on Twitter at Fantasy underscore Mansion. What is up, Matt? Austin Eckler is up. Oh, yeah. Our Dynasty rankings are updated so quickly. The news broke, you know, uh, the same day the news breaks that Melvin Gordon will be missing training camp, likely preseason. Plans to hold out. If he doesn't get a contract extension or a trade, you go to the Dynasty rankings, you go to the Dynasty Dominator app, boom, there's Austin Eckler, boom, there's Justin Jackson. Mm. Move it up the rankings. And you have to move Melvin Gordon down. You have to. There's more uncertainty. We have an uncertainty quotient with every player that throttles the lifetime value, and that uncertainty quotient is ratcheted up now for Melvin Gordon. That's just the way it goes. He's more attainable now in Dynasty Leagues, and he may sit out the first eight games. So you have to adjust your rankings accordingly. I know it's a joke. It's become a meme. Adjust your rankings accordingly. But in this case, with this Melvin Gordon news, you do actually have to adjust your rankings accordingly. (laughs) Yeah, you will with this one. His agent, Fletcher Smith, even told ESPN 
that he's not going to be reporting for training camp until he gets a new contract. And if they don't get one together, he's going to demand a trade once out. I said that already. That's a fact. All you brought to the table was the name of the agent is Fletcher Cox. And that he talked to ESPN. Go, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Go. Like, what? Well, who do you like better, Austin Eckler or Justin Jackson, if you're going out and trying to capitalize on this situation? I think that we've we've seen it uh, last year. You know, we got a good look at it. I, I've been a fan of Austin Eckler. I don't know where you stand on this one. I know that you were a bit of a, a Jackson <gasps> truther at one point. Uh-oh, I don't know what these long gasps mean. Austin Eckler is from Western State, Nate. That sounds like a fake school. You don't like players from fake schools like Mississippi Valley State. Who the hell went to Mississippi Valley State? Oh, that's right, Jerry Rice. Oh, this again. This this take, this tired take again. No, I'm glad we should run this one back. Tennessee Chattanooga? That's not a real place. No one went there except, I don't know, Terrell Owens. Yeah, another one. You despise players from small schools. How dare you now jump on this? How dare you tout Austin Eckler at this point in your career? You should be ashamed of yourself. There's nobody else on this roster to choose from. Justin Jackson went to a Big Ten school. He went to my alma mater, Northwestern. Go you and you. Go you and you. Go Cats. Rawr, 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 rawr. Oh, my God. Justin Jackson, baby. I love Justin Jackson. Look, we got a look at Jackson last year a little bit. Eckler was great. Eckler was targeted heavily, you know, 10.4 yards per reception. I mean, and it's a good offense, an offense that's going to continue to play well this year as they get Hunter Henry back as well. Um, I like Austin Eckler of the two. You sound like you like Justin Jackson. Where are you on this one? I prefer Eckler. Okay. All right. Jeez. <laughs> Eckler. Very over the top. Despite the fact that he went to a school that I do not recognize, I- I'm with you. I'm-, I'm-, I'm Eckler all day here. It's Eckler because if you look at the depth chart that's released by the Los Angeles Chargers and is one of the key sources that we use to create our depth charts on Player Profiler, some of the best depth charts in the business, there's Austin Eckler in the number two running back position. You don't overthink it. He was the number two running back two years ago. He was the number two running back last year. He's the number two running back heading into the season this year. And if there is no Melvin Gordon, if he holds out, if he's traded, Austin Eckler becomes the number one. And there's not a single metric, not a one. We comb through every single stat, every single metric on player profiler, looking for a singular statistic that would indicate Justin Jackson's better than Austin Eckler. Size, Eckler. Workout metrics, Eckler. Efficiency metrics, Eckler. It's all Eckler. Every single metric points to Eckler, even though I love me some Justin Jackson. Oh my God. It's a lot better if you can see this in real time, if you can see what's taking place on the other side of the camera. Yeah, I mean, it's not It's not really a question Um, I don't think, I don't know. I don't know that the gap is going to be huge. She's still pawing at the camera. I don't know that the gap between Eckler and Jackson is going to be enormous in season. Hard to say. Neither of them are Melvin Gordon. So we're hedging our bets that a dominant amount of opportunity will go to Eckler. I think it's going to be a San Francisco 49ers situation where you have Tevin Coleman and Matt Breda. You have two running backs that are best deployed 
in space and situationally, right? Ideally, you deploy Austin Eckler situationally. Ideally, you deploy Justin Jackson situationally. Ideally, you get these guys out in space. That's where they can do the most damage, and that's where they can avoid injuries because Justin Jackson has a zero percentile BMI, and Austin Eckler is barely 200 pounds. They don't fit the profile of every down primary backs in the NFL that can go out and achieve a 70-plus percent opportunity share. I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be 55-45 Eckler. And that extra 10% of opportunity share really matters. That's why on the Dynasty Rankings, playerprofiler.com forward slash player rankings, there's Eckler ahead of Jackson, even though Jackson's younger. Now it's a, that's exactly uh, what I was what I was trying to get at. You just said it first and said it better. I said it first and said it best, Nate. Oh my goodness! <laughs> if you want to get a good take in before me, you got to have a killer instinct, man, or, or or take some cocaine. That's right. I need to get a kill switch over here to mute the mic on the other side. It's my only hope. What other running backs could be affected by this news? By this news around the league. What are the butterfly effects from this Melvin Gordon announcement? Where would Melvin Gordon go in trade? Oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. Uh, how about the Green Bay Packers? Can I throw that out there? Oh, no. No, 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 no. We've been talking about this, that Aaron Jones is more attractive in seasonal leagues than he is in Dynasty because we're not sure how committed the Green Bay Packers are to Aaron Jones. He doesn't have the draft capital, and he doesn't have one of those 70-plus opportunity shares for a full season that would indicate, oh, this team is committing to this running back. It's blasphemy what you're saying. Yeah, I'm sorry. But I'm with you. I'm with you. Melvin Gordon returning to Wisconsin, where he rushed for over 2,500 yards in a season once upon a time. That would be poetic. Wow, right? Take it home. I don't have Aaron Jones in Dynasty, but if I did, I would be very upset at you for even broaching that as a possibility. It's much easier to see him in Tampa, though, because we know that Tampa is not sold on Ronald Jones because they refused to give him any carries in the month of December when the team was out of it and they had just used a second-round pick, burning, lighting it on fire, a second-round pick on, on a small, raw running back that can't catch passes. That was where the Buccaneers decided to invest their draft capital in 2018, and they refused to play him even when they were out of contention, which was a stinging indictment of Ronald Jones' ability. And the other running back on that roster is the quintessential cardboard cutout, just a guy, placeholder back, Peyton Barber. Melvin Gordon needs to go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Everybody wins. Melvin Gordon may actually score more fantasy points in Tampa than he would in Los Angeles. And it unlocks two running backs we like in Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler. The other place that Melvin Gordon could land that would create the least amount of collateral Dynasty League damage, Houston. That's a good one. Houston's Houston's another one. I mean, we know that Lamar Miller has got to be getting to the end of this. Nobody loves Lamar Miller. No. Nobody is invested in Lamar Miller right now, either in terms of dynasty assets or emotionally. Nobody cares about Lamar Miller at this point. The only dynasty leaguers that would feel a pinch of pain if Melvin Gordon went to Houston would be those Dante Foreman truthers, and you're one of those guys. 
That would be a sting. That that would hurt because I'm still waiting on this uh, opportunity for uh, for Foreman to show out because I know he will. I mean, this is it. This is the make-or-break season for Dante Foreman, and if they go out and trade for Melvin Gordon, he'll be robbed of that opportunity. It's the classic sliding doors effect we talk about in the NFL where there are numerous quality football players like Jeff Janis, just as an example, just a random yeah. example yeah. that I picked out of the sky. Yeah. Just your run-of-the-mill former player who just opened his own tire and auto parts store. Janice Tire and Auto. That's right. That's right. That happened. That happened. And if Janice had landed on another team with a different quarterback, everything could have been different. He could have just signed a mega extension in the NFL, Pro Bowl wide receiver, Jeff Janice, but alas, not meant to be. Same thing with Dante Foreman. If they go out and trade for Melvin Gordon, we may never know what Dante Foreman could have been. That's a fact. I, I don't know that Houston is in a position to necessarily do it. I, I mean, it would be a hell of a roster for him to land on, and it would be an absolute grenade to what Foreman might have ever been. He's only due $5 million this year, so it's easy enough to just cut Lamar Miller, who's on an expiring contract. Houston cuts Lamar Miller, they save $5 million, and they absorb Melvin Gordon's fifth-year option. It's straightforward. I would love to have him there, but I feel like it's more likely he ends up somewhere like Buffalo. Oh, man. Imagine that. You request a trade, and they ship you to Canada. That hasn't happened since Kawhi Leonard. And that worked out re Oh, that's... Oh, wait. Actually, that worked out really well for Kawhi Leonard. You remember when Antonio Brown was almost headed to Buffalo? And he refused to go. Yeah. He refused to get on the plane. That's right. He had his ticket. He was at the airport. He saw the plane, and he's like, nah, I can't do it. He just shook his head and walked away. He didn't realize Buffalo wasn't in California. Antonio Brown's luggage actually made it to Buffalo. The baggage handlers in the Buffalo airport were like, what is this? Whose gold-plated Fendi luggage is this? <laughs> he never went to go get it, though. He never went to go get it. That's how Antonio Brown rolls. He doesn't care about luggage. He doesn't care about clothes. He'll buy new clothes, he'll buy new luggage, he'll be better than the clothes he had. <laughs> He's a baller, man. He's balling. Uh, I'm worried about Ronald Jones. I have Ronald Jones in some seasonal leagues. I've, of course, I don't have him in Dynasty. What do you think I am? A masochist? Even one that has him rostered in seasonal leagues only, I'm worried because it's not just the threat of Melvin Gordon going to Tampa. Another running back has requested a trade. Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson to Tampa is still a possibility. If Duke Johnson goes to Tampa, what's his upside look like? His upside looks great because we already know that Tampa, the only reason Tampa is going to give Ronald Jones a shot is because they don't want to look, they don't want to look totally ridiculous for having spent such a high pick on a player that was an absolute bust that never got the opportunity to prove that he was a bust. But if Duke Johnson goes to Tampa Bay, he, he can do everything. That's a, that's the best-case scenario for Duke Johnson right now. A high-powered offense with a creative coach with no real competition or any player that can match his skill set top to bottom. That's where I'd like to see him. He's 208 pounds. You know who else was 208 pounds when he finished as the number one running back in all of fantasy in 2015? Devontae Freeman. In a prolific offense, a satellite back plus with sub-athleticism the number one running back in all of fantasy. That's Duke Johnson's ceiling on Tampa 2015 Devontae Freeman because Duke Johnson is an above-average athlete. So you put Duke Johnson with his skill set 
finishing top five in the NFL year over year, even on bad teams in yards per touch. There's Duke Johnson, boom, in the top five. You set your watch by it. You put him on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I mean, bananas. Bananas. <laughs> and I recently completed a 2QB Dynasty startup. My first and only startup of the season. It's the Roto Underworld Farts and Boners Patron League. Very cool. The only thing that would make it cooler is if it were an auction draft. Sadly, it's a snake draft. Ideally, we would use Reality Sports Online. Reality Sports Online is the best Dynasty format because it requires the most strategery. We are almost out of time, so I will instead ask each candidate to sum up in a single word the best argument for his candidacy. Governor Bush? Strategery. I love strategery. The whole reason we play fantasy football is to outwit and outlast our league mates. And Reality Sports Online allows for more clever roster constructions because the startup is an auction. I mean, just that fact alone makes it the best. Forget the fact you could also determine contract lengths. So go to Reality Sports Online now, use their promo code UNDERWORLD, start up a new league and invite your friends, or join an existing league. Trust me, if you want to take Dynasty Gaming to the next level, that level is the Reality Sports Online level, and don't forget to use that promo code UNDERWORLD to get 10% off. And I get this question, how would you approach a startup auction? And the answer is simple, studs and duds, studs and duds, studs and duds, studs and duds all day, because I know I can find great value in the discount bin of an auction and later the free agent pool. In Dynasty, I like to build around a cornerstone running back. And I'm in a Dynasty startup mock right now hosted by Ryan McDowell for Roto World. And in that draft, I started Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook, happily, but in an auction, I would probably build around a single cornerstone stud running back and three stud receivers. If you imagine having $200 to spend, allocate $50 for that stud running back and anywhere between $40 and $50 for three receivers, and you'll have money left over to dive into the discount bin and get players you'd like to fill out your roster. And the best value cornerstone running back right now is actually Joe Mixon. He's who I drafted at the 108 in the Roto World mock. Why? Because Joe Mixon checks all the boxes. He's big. He's athletic. And he wins in all phases. And he's young. Joe Mixon just turned 23. So he has three more years of his super prime left. Very few running backs can say that. He's a more agile Ezekiel Elliott with better receiving skills. That's who Joe Mixon is. And, and football fans... Don't know how good Joe Mixon is because he's a Bengal. That's the only reason he's available at the end of a first round of a snake draft is because he's trapped on the Bengals. But last year, he was top 10 in yards created and top 5 in breakaway run rate. In spite of a negative game script headwind, a deficient run-blocking offensive line, and an offense that stifles the productivity of every skill position player, led by Andy Dalton. Joe Mixon still posted 17.4 fantasy points per game last year, which was top 10 in the NFL. If he can succeed in that environment, imagine what he can do if the Bengals revamp the offensive line or acquire a new quarterback or somehow, some way, become an efficient and productive offense. Just imagine what Joe Mixon could be. When you think about it, his value is at a low point right now. 
So he'd be the best value auction target for me and then surround him with elite receivers. Think all those receivers that you can get at the turn in seasonal leagues this year. Odell Beckham, Michael Thomas, Juju Smith-Schuster. Those would be my guys to target. And that kind of super team is only available on Reality Sports Online. You have the link to my draft. Pull it up. It's up. It's up. I picked at the 108 slot. What do you think? Well, you started with uh, one of my favorite receivers in all of the NFL. The departure of Antonio Brown opened up a boatload of targets. Uh, who knows? I-, I could see Juju getting close to 180, 200 targets this year. I, I swear. It's not even crazy to say. Juju Smith-Schuster. Love it. Juju Smith-Schuster. I was deciding between Juju and Michael Thomas that I make the right choice. You did. I had the same decision to make in the Scott Fishbowl. I did the exact same thing, and I would have done it long-term, too. I love Juju uh, in in Pittsburgh, and despite the fact that there's similar concerns about both these quarterbacks and their ages. You know, when I start a patron league, I always get worried because all the patrons have access to the rankings, which means they know who I want. Playerprofiler.com forward slash player rankings. They have a window into my brain, and that's frustrating. To be drafting with 11 others that know what you're going to do before you do it. And so I assumed the guy setting at 107 was going Juju Smith-Schuster. Because we now have him number one on our Dynasty wide receiver rankings. He went Odell! Oh, mommy. I was like, oh, a gift! A gift from the gods! Thank you, patron! Just because they know what I'm going to do and they have access to the rankings doesn't mean that's what they want to do. It's their fucking fantasy team. They can do whatever they want. This guy likes Odell Beckham Jr. Draft Odell Beckham Jr. God bless you. I'm an atheist. Oh, so it didn't mean anything. I love Odell, and he could be he could be the number one wide receiver in fantasy football this year without question. But it's a projection. It's still a projection, and Juju Smith-Schuster's four years younger. Yep, yep. Four more years! Four more years! Four more years! Four more years! Oh, my God. Four more years! Uh, and you know you're going to be able to say that uh, about these two players uh, forever. It's not going away anytime soon. No. <laughs> What about round two? Okay. How did you feel about my round two selection? So round two, uh, you know, pick number 17 in the draft. I think this is a value here. Um, it feels like to me, I see some guys that went before him because it's a two QB league that pushed him down. Some people are pretty high on Joe Mixon. That drove him down a little bit. Uh, Dalvin Cook. I like it. I'm a fan of Dalvin Cook. I hope he stays healthy. I'm also a fan of Joe Mixon. I love Joe Mixon. He's younger than Dalvin Cook with a similar skill set. But Dalvin Cook's on a better team. And this is one of the great debates in Dynasty. Dalvin Cook versus Nick Chubb. That was my debate. The last round, the debate was Juju Smith-Schuster or Michael Thomas. In this round, it was Dalvin Cook versus Nick Chubb. And I went Dalvin Cook because he's a pass catcher and Nick Chubb is not. It came down to that. Nick Chubb's a year younger. Nick Chubb's in a better offense. But the Browns just traded away Kevin Zeitler. So those... Running lanes won't be as wide, and I think Nick Chubb's yards created per touch will go down this year, even if his touchdowns go up. So I don't think he'll be as efficient. I don't think he's going to be suddenly active in the passing game, especially with Duke Johnson still on the roster. But the lifetime values for these two players are nearly identical. So that was total coin flip, but I went with a guy that I believe can be a top five running back and compete with the Saquon Barkleys and the Ezekiel Elliotts and the Christian McCaffreys, I don't think Nick Chubb is there because he's not active in the passing game. And that became the tiebreaker. How did you like my round three pick? 
Uh, I don't hate it. You had to make a move here. Some quarterbacks were going off the board. Surprised uh, that somebody went Cam Newton before Aaron Rodgers, unless there's, I mean, unless he's really into that rushing upside, I guess. But I, I would have gone Aaron Rodgers like you did. Same owner that went Odell over Juju yeah. went Cam yeah. over Aaron Rodgers, and I was happy to get Aaron Rodgers in the third round in a two QB league. Yeah, you need one elite quarterback, and the opportunity to get Aaron Rodgers was just too enticing. He usually goes earlier in two QB leagues. Yeah, for sure he should. I mean, even at his age, he's still a guy that yeah wants to get rostered early. This one though. And after Aaron Rodgers went off the board, it was funny. Only one other quarterback, Jared Goff, went off the went off uh, you know went off the board in the next eight picks. I picked again. I went Derrick Henry. Mm. How much do you love getting a Derrick Henry in the fourth round of a dynasty startup? I have my cornerstone running backs to build my team around. I, I like Derrick Henry. I mean, obviously, I don't like him as much as I like Dalvin Cook. You hope that Derrick Henry gets his opportunities in the pass game. That's really where the difference is. I think his opportunities are coming now, finally. Oh, he could lead the league in carries and yards rushing. I don't disagree with that, We but we both know that his upside. What if I told you that Derrick Henry rushed for more yards this year than Nick Chubb? Would you be surprised? I wouldn't be. However, there was one monster-ass game in there that really drove up that raw statistic. Now, I know it's not fair to cherry-pick, but one quarter of his yards did come off one game. It might have been more than a quarter. Yeah, against one of the league's best defenses. I mean, maybe. What do you mean, maybe? By every advanced metric, the Jacksonville Jaguars were one of the best defenses in the league last year. My decision point here came down to Derrick Henry versus Aaron Jones. And it's exactly what we talked about earlier. I know that the Tennessee Titans are committed to running the ball and running their offense through Derrick Henry. Even though Aaron Jones is more dynamic, he's more versatile. He wins in all phases in a way that Derrick Henry does not, and they're a similar age. But the level of commitment that the Tennessee Titans have shown to Derrick Henry through draft capital, through touch distribution, especially in the second half last season, and He's a special player. When you're drafting early in a dynasty startup, you want special players. Aaron Rodgers, special. Derrick Henry is special. How often do they make 240-pound running backs that are as explosive and nimble and intuitive as Derrick Henry? They just don't come around, ever. Uh, Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, at that point, too, the running backs were a lot more limited than they were, you know, the round earlier. So uh, of the two available players, I'm with you. Take the guy that you know they're committed to. We've talked about the volatility of Aaron Jones and Green Bay, and we wouldn't be surprised if Green Bay goes out next year and takes, say, a running back in the second round in a good class, and suddenly Aaron Jones is phased out. It could happen just like that. Now, this league starts two quarterback, three running back, five receivers, two tight ends, and a flex. So you see who I drafted at the 508. I do. I see that. He drafted Evan Ingram, New York Giants, tight end. I like it. I mean, David Njoku goes one pick before that, and you uh, you pounce on Evan Ingram, who's available there in an offense that just lost their alpha. I mean, they did not replace Odell Beckham with an alpha receiver. The, the, the opportunity will get you know dispersed amongst the available players, but there is no alpha in this offense, so I like Evan Ingram. Oh, there is an alpha in New York. There is, Nate. Oh, here we go. His name's Evan Ingram. I figured that's what you were going to say. There's no alpha at wide receiver, Matthew Kelly. 
There was a tight end run. O.J. Howard, gone. Hunter Henry, gone. David Njoku, gone. And the last tight end in that tier of young stud tight end ones is Evan Ingram. And I had to pounce. I had to. It's a two-tight end league. When, when 24 tight ends across the league are starters, you need to get one good one. It's the same principle that I use to draft Aaron Rodgers. I'm not against this pick. I, I mean, don't even like Evan Ingram. I don't really like Evan Ingram either, and I don't like Eli Manning, and I question what Daniel Jones is going to be. But if Daniel Jones is going to lean on anyone, it's going to be Evan Ingram. And you know the opportunity is going to be there. So if nothing else, you got a guy that has high draft capital and an offense that, that needs a go-to weapon. Now, this is a two-quarterback league, and I was yeah, shocked, shocked that more quarterbacks weren't being drafted. I normally wait longer for my second quarterback, but at this point, I had to push the button on... Jimmy Garoppolo. Boy. <laughs> now, full disclosure, I have traded Jimmy Garoppolo and a couple players I drafted later for DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> so my roster in this league now features Juju and DeAndre Hopkins and Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry. I hope we get further down this line and find out that you're not going to have to put Hopkins as your second quarterback. We should continue. So this was wasted. This was a wasted talking point. Moving on to the next pick by the Podfather. Oh, there it is. Problem solved. I traded Jimmy Garoppolo. I had the luxury of trading Jimmy Garoppolo because at the 708, I went Ben Roethlisberger. He shouldn't be available there. Sometimes you just need to go best available player based on the format. And in 2QB, no way Ben Roethlisberger deserves to be there at the 708. Same with Phillip Rivers. Both Rivers and Roethlisberger being available at the 708 made no sense. I had to do something, man. I had to step into that breach. Well, you saved yourself. And it paid off later as I traded Jimmy Garoppolo and a handful of other pieces for Hopkins. I don't know how the hell you got Hopkins out of that deal. That's just insanity. I get that it's a 2QB league, but it's fucking Hopkins. If you're going to get a top 10 player in Dynasty, you have to overpay. And... I gave up Jimmy Garoppolo, Ronald Jones, Bryce Love, Mike Williams, and Kyle Rudolph to get DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, I, I guess I get the Mike Williams thing. No, in a two-quarterback league, Jimmy Garoppolo is incredibly valuable. Has anybody seen Jimmy Garoppolo throw a fucking football yet in the NFL? Has anybody? I'm, a I'm asking you. This guy has 361 career pass attempts. This is why I traded him, Nate. I drafted him to trade him. People love Jimmy Garoppolo. He's very handsome. Yes, that's it. They just want to fuck Jimmy Garoppolo. That's all it is. He's smoldering. He's so hot. He could be James Bond, man. He looks that good. Should be illegal to have a chiseled chin like that. Should be illegal to start both DeAndre Hopkins and Juju Smith-Schuster and Dalvin Cook. Yeah, they fucked up. That should be illegal. I don't think either party fucked up. If you don't have a productive second quarterback, you need to go out and get Jimmy Garoppolo. You need to go out and get somebody. I would have traded for someone other than Jimmy Garoppolo, but this guy likes Jimmy Garoppolo, and he also got Mike Williams and upside running backs in the deal. You just said Ronald Jones. Where's the upside running back at? <laughs> Bryce Love? Oh, come on. <laughs> Coming off an ACL tear, undersized, and can't catch the ball? Let's move on. So you like that side for me? Yeah, of course. So what I'm hearing is you like the podfather side of that deal. Yeah, anytime you can get DeAndre Hopkins and give up Ronald Jones, Kyle Rudolph, 
and Mike Williams and Bryce Love, you do it. Listen, Jimmy Garoppolo was the centerpiece of that deal. Listen, I don't know who made this trade with Matt Kelly, but you come find me on Twitter, and I'll personally thank you. Well, to balance the trade, he also had to give up four additional players. No, he give up. So I also received Dwayne Washington, Corey Coleman. Oh, my God. Demarius Thomas and Eric Swoop in the deal. Uh, good for him. Four cuts. It was a five-for-one deal, and that's what you have to do. If you want to go out and get Hopkins, these are the lengths you have to go. I backed the truck up to get him. If, if I'm that guy, I'm, I'm waking up in the middle of the night, cold sweat, wondering where DeAndre Hopkins went. Why, how did I let this happen? <laughs> Why can't I score any fantasy points? Damn it! <laughs> I'm losing! Ah, oh, damn it, Podfather! Listen, man, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to go out and throw for 300 yards every week, and he'll be happy. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't even know that. I don't know. I wouldn't have done that deal. Oh, God. Go. Just move on, please. And as you heard, I did draft Ronald Jones and Mike Williams later because I have no problem drafting players I don't like with the intention of moving them. I draft to trade. I did the same thing with Jarvis Landry. Picked Jarvis Landry at 8.05, partly because we start five wide receivers, and I need starting wide receivers that are going to get targets, and that's Jarvis Landry. Have you seen Jarvis Landry's target history throughout his career? Oh, yeah. It's incredible. He's a heavily targeted individual. Five straight seasons of 110 targets or more. Four seasons with over 130 targets. Yes. And has never logged less than 80 receptions. The guy's a baller. I mean, in PPR leagues, he's a vacuum. When you look at just that aspect of Jarvis Landry's resume, he's fairly amazing. So wait a minute. Wait a minute. And now that I've got some context of what this league's about. So you trade Jarvis Landry and let you get back like what? 6 2021st and Michael Thomas? <laughs> no. You can't trade 2021st in this league. Here we go. You can't trade future first and second rounders. You can only trade a 2021st in 2020. So the moment the calendar flips over to January, you can start trading your 2021sts. So what did you get for Jarvis Landry? Nothing. I still have him. But he's there holstered to be traded at any point. But he's not But he's not bad. To, like, you, like you said, you know that Jarvis Landry has a floor. It's a good floor. But I need him. I need the production. I traded Mike Williams. Yeah. It's not Jimmy Garoppolo. Another player I don't necessarily love that I drafted at the 1108 is Dante Pettis. But I'm warming up to Dante Pettis because I think he's going to catch a lot of passes this year. He should be the target leader. And if Jimmy Garoppolo goes over 300 yards every week like we expect, then woo! Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, Dante Pettis is the number one wide receiver in this offense. We know Debo Samuel was added. Jalen Hurd was selected in the third round. There's some talk about him being this chess piece that's going to be out of the backfield and at tight end and out wide. We'll see if he has the aptitude to do all these different things. But yeah, I think this year, at least in 2019, Dante Pettis is the guy you want to own. This was the best value pick in the entire draft. Here are the players that went before Dante Pettis. Are you ready? Oh, I've got, I've never been more ready for anything. Joe Flacco, Eli Manning, Lamar Miller, Mike Gusecki, Jonu Smith, hmm. Duke Johnson, Marvin Jones, James Washington, TJ Yeldon. TJ Yeldon. Somebody put Reach in the comments. And Matt Breda. 
All went before Dante Pettis. Yeah, that's that's just bad. Like a wide receiver one on his own roster still sitting there. How? I don't know. I don't know. That's when the Curtis Samuel hype was so much that he went before Dante Pettis. I like Curtis Samuel, but when you got a shot at a wide receiver one on a roster, even if it's as a trade asset. We know that Dante Pettis is not a proper NFL number one. He's not. Right. He's a complimentary wide receiver. At best, he's a volume flanker. But the most likely outcome for Dante Pettis that you can imagine is he becomes Sterling Shepard. That's probably what he is, right? Sterling Shepard would be a great career comp if he could get there because we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Sterling Shepard should take a big step forward this year. So I'm not even sure that when it all shakes out, he'll be on Sterling Shepard's level because I actually expect big things this year. But yeah, I'm not overly excited about Dante Pettis aside from the fact that, again, in 2019, he should be the guy in San Francisco. You know, man, we didn't even really talk about it because you breezed right by it. But I noticed at 7-11, Tyreek Hill finally gets selected. Oh, no. I was hoping you wouldn't see that. I'm still embarrassed by that. I should have grabbed him. You had your shot. I mean, if if Tyreek Hill only gets four games, Matt, then Travis May, the dancing fantasy analyst, is going to look right about Miko Harmon being overdrafted in rookie drafts. (laughs) What'd I say? The dancing fantasy analyst? That's quite the pull from the Sonic Truth archives. (laughs) Way back. (laughs) Yes, that is unfortunate. We we talked about Travis May castigating Twitter for not knowing how to do the electric slide. (laughs) And I have a little notepad where I keep track of the bad tweets, especially those that disparage player profiler or troll the pod father. You know about this black book of bad tweets, right? Oh, yeah. I've, I've, you showed it to me before. It's, it's thick. He's in there. Oh, no. Travis May is in there. And in the Travis May tab, there's a whole dossier of bloated, condescending nonsense. It's actually impressive. <laughs> and... With McCole Hardman, he quote tweeted a message on the at Roto Underworld account. The Roto Underworld social media director writes, The similarities between McCole Hardman and Tyreek Hill are undeniable and puts their profiles next to each other. And sure enough, similar college dominators, similar yards per reception, similar workout metrics at a similar size. The similarities are undeniable and that tweet is undeniable. But Travis May found a way to twist it, mischaracterize it, and belittle it. He quote tweets with the following. McColl. These are the clapping emojis. Oh, yeah, I gotcha. McColl Hardman is not Tyreek Hill. You're welcome. And then for some reason, he adds a hashtag NFL and a hashtag fantasy football. Just to pick up those extra followers going to those hashtags. Travis May's a real social media whiz with these hashtags. Right. But you look back, and even though Tyreek Hill gets, what, four games? We're expecting him to get four games. That's the latest from Kansas City. Even now, we weren't wrong because no one said they were equivalent. No one said they're the same player, Travis. It's the ultimate intellectually lazy straw man. But it's a signature Travis May mischaracterization. It's what he does. 
No one does intellectually lazy, baseless arguments better than Travis May. <laughs> I'm in a league with this guy. The Ultimate Dynasty Podcasters League. There's a Twitter DM group among the owners. And one of the truly good guys in this industry, Tyler Gunther, doesn't erect straw men to belittle others. Just a good guy. In this rookie draft, in a league that's tight end premium, he goes Irv Smith at the 111, Paris Campbell at 112, Andy Isabella at the 209. And I feel compelled to contribute to this Twitter DM group. I rarely contribute, but I thought, wow, this guy is nailing these picks. I'm going to give him an attaboy. I said, Tyler's having a great draft. Excellent values. Just a nice, normal compliment from the Podfather. It's like one of those a year. Yeah, I don't ever see them. And it happened to go to Tyler Gunther. I know. They're never on this show, ever. <laughs> and of course, like you can set your watch. I was, I was counting down the seconds on my watch. There's Travis May swooping in. <laughs> this is what he had to say. This was his contribution. Um, well, most classes are a trap after the first eight picks, you see. At least this year, they're being obvious about it. Ugh. He just picked an arbitrary number, eight picks. Right. First of all, that's not true. <laughs> and second of all, who the fuck are you? I didn't ask a question. It was a statement. But not being asked has never stopped Travis May from sharing his seemingly infinite wisdom that includes citing reverse-engineered arbitrary thresholds like the top eight picks are all that matter. Like, what about pick nine? <laughs> So pick eight, that's really good. But the pick nine, oh! No one with a working brain would think that. In fact, we've actually done the research at Player Profiler for the Dynasty Dominator app's trade analyzer tool so that we could value draft picks. And as it turns out, draft picks have value out into the early third round. And that's the average drafter. Those that go to Player Profiler, those that listen to the Sonic Truth podcast are able to reap value above replacement even in the fourth round, in draft slots where the average dynasty leaguer often fails. But putting that aside, this special ability that our listeners have, second round picks are valuable. Like Just in the 2014 draft alone, Devontae Adams, Allen Robinson, and Jarvis Landry were second round picks in the NFL draft and second round picks in dynasty rookie drafts. And those guys have worked out pretty well. That's just one position from one year. Look who's available in the second round this year. You're telling me Damian Harris, Justice Hill, and in some drafts, Darrell Henderson aren't providing value. Are you telling me you just as soon go to the waiver wire <laughs> as add Paris Campbell, Debo Samuel, Andy Isabella? Get the fuck out of here. Tyler Gunther had a great draft, and draft slots beyond the 108 have value. It's just baseless, arbitrary nonsense. That's the Travis May specialty. And remember, in the last show, in the outtakes, you recommended giving Travis May more time, that he would honor us with another Twitter gem. And guess what, Nate? No, he didn't. Yeah. Boom. On schedule. He inexplicably weighed in despite no one asking him for his opinion. He just had to thunder in with his super smart, super helpful information dripping with unearned condescension. Here it is. His reaction to a tweeter touting Andy Isabella by citing college dominator and speed score was as follows. Cool stuff. Truth is, 
There is no singular metric that would stand up to scientific scrutiny in what we do, sadly. Dominator should, and quite often, is built into a more complete model, including draft capital, that can be more predictive. Okay? (laughs) (laughs) Why? Just dismissing information out of hand and citing science. And starting with the cool stuff is just such a dick move. No one does dripping unearned condescension better than Travis May. At least that's what I thought. I thought it was unearned because I couldn't have imagined that there would be a scientist in our midst on fantasy Twitter. But based on what he's been tweeting recently, especially, you have to come to the conclusion that this isn't unearned pretentious nonsense. The Travis May has real credentials. Hmm. He cites the scientific method on a constant loop, Nate. That must mean he has real credentials. It must. Instead of criticizing Travis May, maybe we should thank him for gracing us with his presence and his knowledge. (laughs) He can do real good in the fantasy football community, provide some real insights using his understanding of the scientific method. His body of work, his experience, it can be leveraged to do some big things in this business, and I'm excited about it. This is actually amazing news that we have a scientist in our midst. Oh, it's it's incredible. I've long said this industry needs more scientists. Nate, I have breaking news. Oh no. What? So I went to LinkedIn so I could familiarize myself with Travis May's scientific credentials, and I stand corrected for a second time. Hmm. I apologize for mischaracterizing Travis May's background and misleading this audience. Because Travis May is anything but a scientist. He's as far from being a scientist as I've ever seen on a LinkedIn profile. In fact, he's not involved in a technical profession of any kind. He's a music salesman. Not a scientist, Nate. Are you offended? Am I offended? He led us to believe that he was a scientist all this time. And by all this time, I mean eight minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You must be outraged. I, I'm, well, I'm always outraged. Everybody knows that. I mean, how can you not be outraged by this? This is revelatory. I can tell you one thing. He's coming off my Mount Rushmore. He's coming down. <laughs> Waldman's still up there. Walter Football's up there. Travis May is coming off. We're chiseling him off in the morning. He's, he's not a scientist. Damn it. Now, I will acknowledge Travis May is in a different classification than some of the others that we've criticized on this show that have no body of work to speak of. Travis May went out and charted the formation position and route inventories for all the top wide receiver prospects heading into the 2019 draft. And I've had analysts on the show cite his data. So when Travis May decides to collect data that matters and put it out there in the world, He does good work, which makes these smartest guy in the room interjections all the more bizarre. You know when you see two smart people debating a technical problem or dilemma, and a random awkwardly tries to inject himself or herself into the conversation? Think Melania Trump at the UN. Okay, go on. You can almost hear the record scratch as the two knowledgeable tweeters in this case decide whether to acknowledge the plebe who's clearly devoid of any self-awareness. You've seen those discussions on Twitter, right? Oh, sure. 
And you're just sitting back wondering, are the people I'm paying attention to on this string going to acknowledge this uninformed grenade that was just lobbed in their direction? Or are they just going to keep on moving? That guy is the worst, and that guy is Travis May. He's the worst because he thinks he's the best. It's <laughs> a good line. Here's an example. I think what I've mentioned in the past is that there isn't any single production metric with a stronger R squared than 0 0.30. Most of the, in quotes, meaningful ones hang around 0 0.20. Not really an exact percent correlation thing, though. Production metrics matter, but so does proper film analysis. Ah, uh, here we go. What the fuck does that even mean? Everything matters, but nothing matters, but make sure you do proper film analysis, because that's how I read that. It's just a bunch of contradictory nonsense, but he threw in R-squared so he could sound like a scientist. <laughs> well, when you got it. How he tweeted that without mentioning the scientific method, I have no idea. And what is proper film analysis, and why wasn't that put in quotes? He put meaningful and production metrics in quotes but he wouldn't put film analysis in quotes that's the thing that deserves to be in quotes because no one knows how to do it and when you reference it no one knows what you mean and you can't pretend to be a scientist while citing film-based analysis because film grinding is not evidence-based on the one hand i want to say who the fuck does this guy think he is and then on the other i'm thinking well i have to admit the whole ruse is poetic. That a full-time music salesman, part-time dancing fantasy analyst, would masquerade as a scientist on fantasy Twitter. It's pretty perfect. <laughs> I mean, it takes balls to be that openly fraudulent, which would only be possible when analyzing a fake game within another game. It is poetic, you would agree. I do agree. And as maddening as it is, to see metrics on player profiler dismissed by know-nothings, weaponizing scientific terms to mischaracterize helpful information. I do wish him the best in this quest to be the most obnoxious, fakest, fake football analyzer. Because I am someone who has built my entire brand on being obnoxious. So when someone does it better than me, I have to tip my cap to you, sir. <sighs> I mean, it's true. You you are making a living off it, and Travis May is arguably doing it better. I can no longer call myself the king of the frauds because I'm not a film grinder apologist or a draft capital zombie. That's where my sensibilities diverge from Mr. May. No one should be surprised that the dancing fake scientist who swoops in unannounced and unwanted ultimately comes to the conclusion that all that matters is draft capital and film analysis, <laughs> right? And those other metrics on Breakout Finder and Player Profiler, you know, they don't stand up to scientific scrutiny, Nate. So you might as well just pack it up. We have our film analysis. We have this draft capital, which is super predictive, and we're good. <laughs> it, well, yeah, you know, I mean, uh, if that is true, then I'm going to get rid of the Breakout Finder website before it ever officially launches. Travis May dismissing McCole Hardman because he wasn't a first-round pick. But if you're going to do that, you got to prop up Marquise Brown. And that's the dilemma that he finds himself in. Because, yes, first-round wide receivers have a strong track record in the NFL. Because many NFL teams look at advanced metrics just like fantasy footballers. That's how dynamic playmakers with great metrics 
while being criticized by the film grinder community, still get drafted in the first round like DJ Moore. And then you have no doubters like Amari Cooper and Calvin Johnson. That's why the average first rounder produces more than the average second rounder. Like It's hard to find a more basic concept than that. But the thing that DJ Moore and Amari Cooper and Calvin Johnson had in common were exceptional prospect profiles across the board. Look at DJ Moore. DJ Moore had the dominator rating, had the breakout age, had the speed score. Same thing with Calvin Johnson. Same thing with Amari Cooper. But first round wide receivers with poor production metrics and poor athleticism often fail. I'm talking about John Ross. I'm talking about Philip Dorsett. I'm talking about Laquan Treadwell, Kevin White, Brashad Perriman, Tavon Austin, Corderell Patterson. Should I keep going, Nate? Ugh, please stop. Look at the wide receivers drafted this year in this class. Drafting Marquise Brown over a truly elite prospect like A.J. Brown, the better Brown, because he went around later, that is bad process. And I don't give a fuck what your R-squared says. He's not better than A.J. Brown. What does the breakout finder say about Marquise Brown versus A.J. Brown? It's not even close between the two. As we've already talked about, A.J. Brown, number one in the class, Marquise Brown outside the top ten. And just for the record, just so I understand, it was a smart move for me to draft Juju Smith-Schuster over John Ross, specifically because Juju Smith-Schuster had a far superior breakout age in college dominator rating? Yes. Okay. Nate, do you know why citing R-squared makes everyone else dumber? Do you know why? Because they use it wrong? Football is, by its very nature, a small sample game. You never see football data perfectly fit into a regression line. But that won't stop gypsy fortune tellers in this industry from setting arbitrary and unrealistic scientific standards for predictiveness, in quotes. And if you can't reach a .30, well, throw it out. And that's why measuring football analytics against FDA trials is an exercise in absurdity. And the threshold for a metric's usefulness is not, does this metric cure cancer? We're operating on degrees of pseudo-predictability. And the film grinders will seize upon this. The way they cling to relevance is through nihilism. Nothing measurably matters. So listen to me because I have a sixth sense for prospect evaluation. And yet... Time and time again, we see zero measurably positive outcomes from film grinding. Rich Rebar came on the Roto Underworld show earlier this year and laid it out. The time of the film grinders is coming to an end. These competing forces are what lead a country music salesman in Nashville putting on a fake data scientist lab coat on Twitter and mischaracterizing the utility of advanced prospect statistics while also claiming a supernatural understanding of his voodoo hobby of watching football on TV and narrating it back to you in a particular way that adds value when it adds exactly nothing.
watching football on TV and narrating it back to you in a particular way that adds value when it adds exactly nothing. It actually just floods the market with misinformation that actually amplifies the advantage of the metrics-based dynasty leaguers. That's the beauty of it. Please amplify Travis May's voice so the rest of us can take advantage. Was that the end? <laughs> this is where we're at with fantasy football analysis, man. The film versus metrics war is coming to an end. You have to pick a side. Travis May chose poorly. And the power users of BreakoutFinder.com and PlayerProfiler.com are the ones that ultimately chose wisely. By the way, I still only have two running backs through 11 rounds. Oh, yeah? I'm on straight maniac mode. I'm in round 12, too. I just took Chris Herndon. Oh, nice. Yeah. Is that your second or third tight end at that point? Second. Nice. I still only have one. That's kind of what I was targeting this round. Herndon is available? Uh, yeah, it's coming back to me. So let's see here. You got to get Herndon, dude. There might be a name on here you actually like more than him. But yeah, I, I'm with you. Get over 500 yards as a rookie. I know. I'm just going to throw this out there. There's Kyle Rudolph. No. I don't know how you feel. Noah Fant. No. Greg Olson. No. Chris Herndon. Yes. Jimmy Graham. Jordan no. Reed. No. Man, Jordan Reed is a surprising man. Which of those tight ends could conceivably be a George Kittle-esque league winner in the Scott Fish Bowl? There's only one answer. It's Chris Herndon. Mike Gusecki's still there. Yeah. The debate really should be between Chris Herndon and Mark Andrews. You could see either one of these guys having a massive breakout going from 500 receiving yards to 800 receiving yards, maybe 1,000 receiving yards. But the guy that's in the offense that can support a tight end one is Chris Herndon with the Jets. There's not a lot of other receiving options in New York. Sam Darnold ascends. He's going to bring some receivers with him. We think he's going to bring Robbie Anderson with him. The number two receiver was Chris Herndon. Chris Herndon was the number two receiver at Miami. He was very productive in an anemic offense in Miami. And he has great bursts. We don't know what his 40 time is. We know that he's athletic and that he was super productive. And look at the air yards, man. Top 15 in completed air yards. Top 15 in total target distance. And he was top five in average target distance. The signature metric to look for with tight ends is the ADOT. You want them to be getting downfield at the catch point. Most of the great tight ends are the furthest downfield at the catch point. Some of them have great yak numbers, and 3.2 yak per target was also exceptional for Chris Herndon. That's how you get to 500 receiving yards with only 39 receptions, is you need to be downfield and have yak ability. And if I told you he did all that as a 22-year-old rookie with Sam Darnold at quarterback for most of the season, the youngest rookie quarterback of all time, and I get it. You're like, okay, 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 Matt. Okay, okay. He gets leverage down the field. I get it. He breaks tackles after the catch. Fine. But can he catch the ball? Is he Eric Ebron? Well, when you factor in just catchable passes to the catch rate, Chris Herndon's 92.9 true catch rate was number one among qualified tight ends on player profiler. Better than Travis Kelsey. Better than George Kittle. Better than Zach Ertz. Better than OJ Howard. Number one in the league as a 22-year-old rookie. That's Chris Herndon. You're looking for a breakout rookie that can help you win this Scott Fishbowl mega tournament? Chris Herndon. Yeah, I'm going to go Greg Olson. No! No! <laughs> All right. I'll go Herndon. 
I'll go Herndon. You've you've swayed me. I only have two quarterbacks. Do you have three already? I only have two. Yeah, that's the same as me. Like I, I'm not. Do you have a lot of wide receivers? Yeah. Yeah, same as me. Can I can I just be honest with you before you tell me your team? I'll just tell you up front. I'm sorry. Here we go. Your team's not going to be as good as this team, but it's not a reflection on you. Okay. I just happen to be excellent at drafting fantasy teams, and I happen to be in a league with very few sharks. I'm not in a sharky division. So you combined a lack of sharks and me being the biggest great white in the history of planet Earth in fantasy drafts. Here we go. That's how this roster is created. Kyler Murray, Derek Carr, quarterback. David Johnson, Aaron Jones, Ronald Jones, the Jones brothers at running back. Godwin, Hilton, Julio Jones, Kirk, Calvin Ridley at wide receiver. And my tight ends are Austin Hooper and Chris Herndon, the aforementioned best breakout candidate tight end in the NFL. And you'll not find a better team in all in, in the entire Scott Fishbowl. It's not bad, Matt, but I'm going to go ahead and rebuttal here with a better pair of quarterbacks. I'm going to go one for one on Kyler Murray. And then I've got Jared Goff, mm. who I prefer to Derek Carr. Carr has more mobility. I'm going to skip over the run game. Why are you skipping the run game? Because my run game is David Johnson, Aaron Jones. You can't skip the run game. I've got uh, Miles Sanders and Deion Lewis. Who else? That's it so far. Moving on. Okay. You know this is a Scott Fishbowl, right? You know first downs count, right? Listen, this isn't by mistake. You know all the league leaders in first downs were running backs. Let me just throw this out there for you. Hold on. I'm going to drop my tight end, then I'm going to go receivers. Travis Kelsey at tight end, the god of the league. Great tight end. Great tight end. He's going to be right up there with Chris Herndon this year. Are Are you ready for the wide receivers? I can't wait. You must have excellent wide receivers, given you have nothing else other than Kelsey. I'm going to loosen your pants for this one. I've got Juju Smith. Adam Thielen, Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay, Robbie Anderson, Cortland Sutton. I'm starting all of them. I'm starting them all. I'm putting them all out, seven wide receivers every week. This just illustrates why my team is so great, that we have equivalent wide receivers, and yet I have stud running backs and you don't. No way. You do not. You've got two receivers on that roster. The other ones you're, you're are good, but we're hoping. Julio Jones and T.Y. Hilton? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's your receivers. You have Juju Smith-Schuster and Adam Thielen. Yeah. Okay. That's that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, our our top two are equivalent. That's fair. I like Julio Jones and T.Y. Hilton, given the bonus structure, better. But then I come over the top with Godwin, Kirk, Ridley, and you're blown away. Come on. How is Godwin, Kirk, Ridley better than Allen Robinson, Galladay, Robbie Anderson? Because I would prefer Godwin over Galladay. I would prefer Ridley over Anderson. And I actually did draft Christian Kirk over Allen Robinson. You may not have named one wide receiver one on his own roster. I have all wide receiver ones on my roster. Congratulations. You have wide receiver ones on bad teams. Listen to the teams that I've invested in. Arizona, Arizona, Green Bay, Tampa, Tampa, Indianapolis, Atlanta, Arizona, Atlanta, Atlanta. Yes, there's a Jets and a Raiders sprinkled in there, but that wasn't until round 10 I had to go Jets and Raiders. That's that's not a savvy financial move, Matt. You didn't diversify your assets enough. Well, guess what? Guess what? Guess when Arizona has their buy? I don't know what we the final week of the season, week 12, at a time when most of the leagues are already wrapped. <laughs> well, that's great. It's great. Chargers, Chiefs, Vikings, Cardinals all have a bye week 12. Last week of the season. Fairly irrelevant week. 
it's I, I don't know what to say. I can't say that you planned that, but if you did, that's just miraculous. That's that's why you can call yourself a great white when you start to draft around five weeks. I also think that the Atlanta Falcons will be this year's Kansas City Chiefs. I'm with that. I like that. It's going to be a wide open spread them and shred them attack in Atlanta. They're going to go three and four wide receiver sets. They only have satellite backs under 210 pounds in the backfield. They invested in the offensive line to protect Matt Ryan. It's going to be an air show. Like they're shipping all the fighter jets to Atlanta, Nate, because it's going to be an air show. It wasn't an air show in the Super Bowl, so I hope it picks up for them. (laughs) (laughs) Died out there. You know who else is here for me if I want him? Ito Smith. It's a good name. Ito Smith or Dante Foreman? Uh, Foreman. I'm going to go Smith. Okay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> guess who else is here? Traquan Smith. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously enough room for Traquan Smith to, to do something in that offense. We're just banking on him taking a step forward. Funches is there. Deshaun Hamilton's there. Funches is available. How? What round? Round 13. That's still available in mine, too. Literally, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers backfield still available. Wait, Ronald Jones is still available? What round? Uh, 12. What? No, that's what I'm thinking. I think I should just go Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber's here too, but... I went Ronald Jones at 11.06. Kareem Hunt is still on the board. Ew. I mean, I'm just saying, Kareem Hunt's still on the board. I've seen him go off in other leagues. LaShawn McCoy's still on the board. Naheem Hines, Foreman, Peterson. Ito Smith? I think Ito's gone. I think Ito went. Duke Johnson's still on the board. Oh, Duke Johnson. But man, if he doesn't get traded, God, if he doesn't get traded, what do you do? The holdout, it happens, but typically these guys get the deal worked out. It's not uh, its not Le'Veon Bell sitting out a full year. Do you have a tight end? I have Travis Kelsey. I have the tight end. Yeah, Gusecki's still, he's way down there too. There's a bunch of tight ends available. So basically it's Ronald Jones... And a few other backs. And a wide receiver, Golden Tate, is still on the board. Man, Golden Tate. Think he's going to get a boatload of targets? If you did any prep, looked at the show sheet once. You got to be a super fan. If you were there for that moment when that episode went down, that was that was classic. I think your headphones popped off your head. <laughs> uh, it was... You were inconsolable. All right. Why don't we run through this draft, but then we, we, we should go back and talk about where Tyreek Hill went. And you can be like, you know, if Tyreek Hill only misses four games, Travis May, the dancing fantasy analyst, he's going to be right about McCole Hardman being overdrafted in rookie drafts. And I'll be like, yeah, actually, that reminds me. He tweeted about us in McCole Hardman. See what I'm saying? Yeah, I got you. Set it up. You're leading the horse to water. It's not even my fault that we're talking about Travis May. And then maybe at one point or another during the rant, I'll come back to, why the fuck did you bring up Travis May? There you go. In fact, maybe I'll do it the outtakes. Why the fuck did you have to bring up Travis May? I was having a great day, Nate. I have the best Scott Fishbowl team in the history of the Scott Fishbowl, and you had to bring up Travis May and McCole Hardman and ruin an entire show. You knew I was going to get sidetracked for half an hour if you brought up McCole Hardman and Travis May. There you go. This fucking show has so many metal layers. Jesus Christ. Talk about overproduced fantasy football show. Maybe the most overproduced. We're very much a three and a half star show, so don't get your hopes up. Uh, we're a four star show at at worst. No, we're not a four star show. People hate us. 
People hate listening to us. Even though they listen, they still give us one star. You can have all these people giving you four stars, but as long as you have just a handful of giving you one star, you're gonna they're gonna take you down a peg, down to three and a half stars. Nobody hates me. I'm like peanut butter. Even with people with an allergy, you're like, God damn it, I wish I could eat it. No, nobody hates you because you're their meat shield. That's right. God damn right. You're taking the abuse so that the listener doesn't have to. They can be on the other side of the glass watching. Yeah, good good for them. Good for them. I'm glad this has all worked out for everybody. We're all square. Okay. I'm going to bring us in. Okay. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sonic Truth Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Liss. You can find me on Twitter at an outrage you. Go you and you. Go you and you. Go cats. Uh-oh. I don't know what these long gasps mean. He had his ticket, he was at the airport, he saw the plane, and he's like, nah, I can't do it. He just shook his head and walked away. Antonio Brown's luggage actually made it to Buffalo. Whose gold-plated Fendi luggage is this? It's a baller, man. He's balling. I'm gonna loosen your pants for this one. All you brought to the table was the name of the agent is Fletcher Cox. And that he talked to ESPN. Go, Matt. You have to trust me that I'm gonna cut this up so it sounds good. The dancing country music salesman in Nashville putting on a fake data scientist lab coat on Twitter. That whole line was was a mouthful. It's a good job. Do you think we shredded him enough? I'm going to loosen your pants for this one. Who the hell went to Mississippi Valley State? Oh, that's right. Jerry Rice. You despise players from small schools. How dare you? You should be ashamed of yourself. Shanahan, Shanahan, Shanahan. Justin Jackson, baby! I love Justin Jackson! I prefer Eckler. (laughs) Eckler. Even though I love me some Justin Jackson. Oh my god. I said it first and said it best, Nate. Oh my god. Just because they know what I'm going to do and they have access to the rankings doesn't mean that's what they want to do. It's their fucking fantasy team. They can do whatever they want. This guy likes Odell Beckham Jr. Draft Odell Beckham Jr. God bless you. I'm an atheist. Oh, my God. And that worked out... Oh, that's... Oh, wait. Actually, that worked out really well for Kawhi Leonard. Fakest fake football analyzer. So when someone does it better than me, I have to tip my cap to you, sir. I'm going to loosen your pants for this one. DJ Yeldon. Somebody put Reach in the comments. There's Dick Fallon. Nice. There's a Matt Walden fart sounder. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you do actually have to adjust your rankings accordingly. Dancing fantasy analyst. The dancing fantasy analyst. Dancing fantasy analyst. The dancing fantasy analyst. If you want to get a good take in before me, you got to have a killer instinct, man. Or, or, or take some cocaine. That's right. I need to get a kill switch over here to mute the mic on the other side. It's my only hope. I was hoping you wouldn't see that. I'm still embarrassed by that. I should have grabbed him. It's going to be huge. She's still pawing at the camera. Ah, oh, damn it, Podfather. I don't know. I wouldn't have done that deal. Oh, God. Go. Just move on, please. McCole Hardman is not Tyreek Hill. You're welcome. And then for some reason, he adds a hashtag NFL and a hashtag fantasy football. (laughs) (laughs) 
Travis May's a real social media whiz with these hashtags. Oh, I've got I've never been more ready for anything. Like they're shipping all the fighter jets to Atlanta, Nate, because it's going to be an air show. I hope we get further down this line and find out that you're not going to have to put Hopkins as your second quarterback. If if I'm that guy, I'm I'm waking up in the middle of the night with cold sweat, wondering where DeAndre Hopkins went. Why? How did I let this happen? I think it's the Janus oil change. Janus oil. I don't I don't remember the name of it exactly. This can't be true. Four more years. Four more years. Four more years. Four more years. Oh, it's it's incredible. I've long said this industry needs more scientists. Not a scientist, Nate. I can tell you one thing. He's coming off my Mount Rushmore. <laughs> He's not a scientist. Damn it. Think Melania Trump at the UN. Ugh, please stop. No one asked you. He's the worst because he thinks he's the best. And starting with the cool stuff is just such a dick move. Who the fuck does this guy think he is? The time of the film grinders is coming to an end. No one said they're the same player, Travis. I, I'm Well, I'm always outraged. Everybody knows that. These competing forces are what lead a country music salesman in Nashville putting on a fake data scientist lab coat on Twitter and mischaracterizing the utility of advanced prospect statistics while also claiming a supernatural understanding of his voodoo hobby of watching football on TV and narrating it back to you in a particular way that adds value when it adds exactly nothing. They just want to fuck Jimmy Garoppolo. That's all it is. He's so hot. If being drafted in the first round were this golden ticket then what happened to Cordell Patterson at 129 he's so hot we've talked about small school players right too many times why do small school players fail competition level it's not that they're not good or better than players drafted before them in the draft it's that they're not given opportunities but if they persevere they will eventually be given opportunities if you're a talented small school player you need one quality just perseverance and it will happen for you it happened for Adam Thielen. I believe it'll happen for Ashton Doolin. And that we'll be looking back 10 years from now, thinking, how'd that guy go undrafted? If you want to get a good take in before me, you got to have a killer instinct or, or take some cocaine.